1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and you have stumbled upon the Steelers pregame show. Last week, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat... The New York Giants on Monday Night Football, 26-16, to 16, and it was triumphant return for Ben Roethlisberger. That's something we talked about on the pregame show last week. But who did we talk to? We talked to my good friend Kevin Smith from Behind the Steel Curtain. Kevin, how are you?
0: Doing great, Brian. Thanks. Fantastic. I mean, what were you feeling about that game, Kevin? Uh, you know what? I mean, it kind of played out, I think, like a lot of us expected it to. You know, it didn't look great in the first quarter. Guys getting their feet wet and their legs back under them. And then um, that great, uh, you know, uh, two-minute drive towards the half really got the offense going, and the Steelers took over in the second half. So, I mean, it it really uh, checked a lot of boxes for things that we were hoping to see.
1: You know, absolutely. Uh, we wanted to see what Ben could do. We wanted to see if the running game could help Ben out. It did inadvertently with the uh, – Guy that we did not forecast to do it. Benny Snell Jr. Did more of that with James Conner's injury. That's going to be an interesting storyline coming up this week as well. The defense shut down Saquon Barkley. And that's what we were looking for the entire way at the expense of the secondary. So let me ask you about that real quick. Mike Tomlin said that they put the Steelers secondary out on an island and uh, and caused that for for them. So basically should we be worried about that secondary, or is it just an aberration because of selling all out to stop Saquon Barkley?
0: I would not be worried about the secondary. Um, I think we face a different kind of challenge uh, this week because uh, Denver's res- uh, receivers are a little a little quicker, and it's going to be a little more sudden for them. But I also think we'll defend Drew Locke differently because of the you know Denver's running game is not not um, on par with the Giants. Man, I mean, we were getting after it, man. I mean, we were blitzing from everywhere. You had, I mean, Mike, Mike Hilton coming down, uh, put your, like you just said, putting the D-backs on an island a lot of the time. And, uh, and I'll give Daniel Jones a lot of credit, man. He made some plays under duress um, that, you know, you just kind of tip your hat to. So, so I think that the, uh, you know, people who are worried about the Steelers secondary, that's a little premature.
1: You know, I really think that Giants team is going to be very good in the next couple of years. I think that's a fantastic head coach uh, with Joe Judge up there. You have the influence of Jason Garrett. Of course, you know what you have with Saquon Barkley. And then Daniel Jones is a lot better than I ever thought, too. So um, I'm excited to watch the New York Giants in the next couple of years. And I'm glad that they are not going to be in the same conference in the same division as the Pittsburgh Steelers. So look out for that team in the future. So we're looking ahead to the Denver Broncos as we have the home opener in week two. We really don't know uh, the benefits of having the home opener at Heinz Field, but it's been my assessment all along that teams that are more prepared, that more veteran-led teams and uh, veteran coaches are going to do better in 2020 without that preseason and not have to rely with uh, with the home – home field fans they're probably going to still have uh, the benefit of playing renegade in the third or fourth quarter because those those uh players really get fired up for that would you forecast renegade by sticks being played once again
0: yeah, those cardboard cutout fans will be rocking, man. You know? <laughs> lots, of, lots of cardboard, terrible towels being waved, you know. You are not kidding. So let's talk about the
1: Broncos and Steelers head-to-head. This has not been a friendly rivalry for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Broncos 21, the Steelers 11-1. and one. So they've only won 11 times and they've only been playing since the mid 1960s. This is a team that has always given the Pittsburgh Steelers problems. A lot of the times in the playoffs with that, uh, you know, the Steelers have prevailed maybe twice in the playoffs, the Broncos three or four times and have really put it to the Pittsburgh Steelers um, as of late. So this is a team that the Steelers really do struggle with, but this is a different Denver Bronco team. Coming into it, the Broncos are the 20th-ranked passing team. And keep in mind, it's only after one week. They're only the 19th-ranked uh, 19th rushing team as well. As far as points for, they rank near the last, the, the uh, bottom of the rankings at 31st and points against their 27th. So there's, this is a team, though, that I feel is very dangerous and I uh, was have been worried about this game since I've seen the schedule. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. The Steelers, they are tied 22nd as far as passing goes behind the third leading rusher in the NFL, uh, Benny Snell Jr. They are the ninth ranked rushing team in the league. As far as points, they're tied at 13th and points against, they're tied at 27th. Right now, you really can't uh, take too much stock in the rankings um, after one week, but that's something we're going to be looking at every week. This is a new game and we shouldn't even really be too concerned about uh, these numbers. We should just be concerned with the task at hand. Is that correct, Kevin?
0: Yeah. I mean, one week you really can't invest much in the numbers. Um, games play out in different fashion. It, you know, a lot of teams that racked up a lot of passing yards wound up losing because, you know, they're throwing so much to come back. Um, you know, I, I'm thrilled, uh, you know, with the way that we ran the football last week, because a lot, you know, we talked a lot in the off season about, you know, this, you know, kind of revitalizing the Steelers run game. So, um, you know, if, if that trend can continue, and we can continue to have a decent balance in the offense, then, you know, we'll really be uh, on to something. So,
1: Kevin, I want to hear your overview of the Denver Broncos. But before we do that, I want to welcome a good friend of mine. His name is John Rice. I call him my very own Broncos insider. He is, a, he is a longtime Broncos fan. John, how are you this evening? Doing well, Brian. Thanks for having me. Very glad to have you, John. So, very rough first week. And I know we both had Monday night football games, the Steelers and the Broncos. Um, yours did not go as well as, as – uh, as my night did, and I remember uh, you uh, mentioning to me how uh, on text that, man, this is not going to turn out well for the Broncos, and uh, you were able to foresee that. So what are your thoughts on the Broncos going into this game, and are you worried? Because I think this is a very good Broncos team, um, despite the uh, home loss on Monday night.
2: Yeah, I mean, Monday was pretty frustrating. I mean, I I think that the Broncos are going to be one of those teams that has a chance to win every game, but they're a very young team. So you're going to not know necessarily what effort you're going to get every week. And so it's going to lead to a frustrating season where they're probably going to beat some teams that you wouldn't expect them to beat. And they're probably going to lose a lot of games that you wouldn't expect them to lose. Like, Like Monday night when they've managed to grab defeat from the jaws of victory, so to speak. So where are they going with year
1: number two of Vic Fangio? Um, how is this team looking towards the future? Because they have, they have some very young players, very young, good players, and some of them courtesy of the Pittsburgh Steelers in that Devin Bush trade. Um, Drew Locke and Noah Fant came courtesy of that trade as well. And um, I believe uh, Mr. Cushenberry, the, uh, the center, came this year in the draft because of that trade as well. How are they looking as far as an emerging team because I'm looking at that, that group of wide receivers. I'm looking at two running backs, and I know Phillip Lindsey's hurt this week, but two very, very accomplished running backs. This could be a very dynamic offense. Who does it start and end with, John?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it starts and ends with the running game. I mean, they got to establish a running game. Vic Fangio is always going to be a conservative coach. He's going to be a defense-first coach, ball-control coach. But man, like bringing in Pat Shermer this year, they've got some playmakers on the outside. It was good to see them open it up a little bit last week. And I think uh, Locke is solid. And really uh, their chances of winning each game is going to come down to whether or not Drew Locke comes through and and can keep improving as a quarterback and avoid the big mistakes, which he really did in week one. But uh, they unfortunately couldn't pull it out and couldn't put quite enough points on the board to win. So, Kevin, I'm going to – Uh, turn this over to you now. Um, Something
1: that we have been familiar with uh, for years has been Mike Munchak's influence on the Steelers running game. Would you say that uh, Munchak has a similar amount of influence on the Broncos running game? And as far as that offensive line goes with him being in, in Denver, how much of an advantage will the Broncos have with the knowledge of Mike Munchak?
0: Well, I mean, you know, anybody who's paid attention to the Steelers, uh, you know, over the last decade or so understands what a great coach Munchak was. I think there was a lot of fear that when he left that our our line would, you know, uh, take a step back. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. But uh, out in Denver, you know, he's got a very different offense than he had in in Pittsburgh. Um, You know, the Steelers had some more downhill type runners. Le'Veon Bell was a bigger back. He's got more slashing-type guys. He's a big zone guy, inside-outside zone. Um, but I know that their line has been in transition. Um, they they struggled a little bit more. I know we're talking about the running game, but um, last week they seemed to struggle a little bit more in the passing game. Uh, gave up four sacks and, um, you know, the significant number of pressures, 13 pressures, I believe. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're going to have a challenge with um, – with you know being able to 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 uh, uh, protect block with the St- what the Steelers will, will throw at them, um, but I don't I think losing Lindsay's going to be a, a big deal because you know um, he's a great slasher for a zone scheme, and um, he really has a has um, a running style that is sneaky. You know I mean he gets in and out of his cuts quickly. Uh, he's got really good vision. He forces a defense to be disciplined because if you over pursue the football. He's going to beat you with the with the the cutback. I don't know if Melvin Gordon uh, is is still that guy. Um, John will probably know better than I would, but um, that's a big blow, man. You know, lines get used to a certain running style, and without Lindsay, that'll be a, it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
1: So let's talk about that running game, John, uh, with Melvin Gordon there and Philip Lindsay. It seems like there's a uh, a fifty percent division of labor there. Is And it's been like that for the Broncos with uh, Royce Freeman in the last couple of years. And it seems like uh, they thrive more with a running back by committee. Is that something that with a change of pace or who do you really feel is the lead dog there for the Denver Broncos?
2: No, I think it's, it's when everybody's healthy, I think it's definitely a true committee. Um, I mean, you do have two different styles as Kevin was alluding to. I mean, Lindsay's a lot shippier, a lot smaller, falls in behind those linemen and makes it hard for the defense to even see him. But I was actually really impressed with how Gordon ran the ball on uh, Monday night. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of the signing in the offseason when they signed Gordon. I'm, I'm not really a big proponent of spending that much money on a running back, but um, he really did run the ball with purpose in the first week. And he was, he was making some solid cuts and getting up into the secondary a few times whenever they were able to get him some space and uh, I, I do think that it's going to really hurt to lose that one-two punch. And, um, but, you know, it's, I'd rather have Lindsey be out now uh, than, say, last year when we didn't even have that Melvin Gordon option. So, respective, it it's, it's good to have that, uh, that, that extra running back option.
1: So, Kevin, let me ask you this. Uh, with all this being said, what do you feel is the strength of the Denver Broncos coming into this game?
0: Um, well, I mean, you know, again, as a young team, you know, I think that uh, they're in they're in some transition. Um, you know, they play on defense a, a lot of quarters coverage, that, uh, you know, w- which is cover four, uh, and they don't and they usually only rush four guys, and um, I, they can really make it difficult out of that quarters coverage on uh, offenses to um, throw the ball in the small windows and for a quarterback to be really, really decisive. And you saw, you know, Ryan Tannehill had, a, had like an efficient week against them, but he wasn't able to hit any big plays. Uh, I know that uh, Tennessee missed a bunch of field goals, and they, they may have had some more points had they been able to convert there. But they only scored 16 points. They had to, you know, drive the field at the you know, late in the game to kick a field goal to win it. Um, you know, they just weren't able to hit big plays. And, and you know, John said that Fangio's conservative coach cover four is a pretty conservative defense. You're dropping four guys potentially into to cover the the four deep zones. uh, And you're making teams, you know, be patient and hit the underneath stuff. And if the Steelers can't do that, they're going to struggle to push the ball down the field. So it'll really be a challenge for Ben Roethlisberger to take what what the defense is giving him, to throw the ball into tight windows underneath, to not try to force the ball downfield if it's not there. Um, And he did a good job of that against the Giants. Uh, and that's really going to have to be the game plan going forward because, like I said, it's going to be hard to hit home runs on this, on this defense.
1: Very good. That's, that is a great assessment. Let's continue with the defense here. John Rice, let me ask you this. Von Miller is not going to be there for – I mean, is he on season-ending IR or is he going to be possibly back this year? But can Bradley Chubb take, take over for him and lead that defense? And is he the guy to do it?
2: I mean, I think he has all the talent in the world. I mean, the one problem is he's coming back off an injury, too. So he may not be fully 100% yet, according to reports. Uh, He played, I believe, about 75% of the snaps in the first game. So uh, they clearly didn't have him on too much of a pitch count in the first game. But, um, I mean, I'm a big Bradley Chubb fan. Uh, This is definitely rushing his development a little bit more. I mean, it would have been nice to have him be able to play opposite of Vaughn for a few more years. But um, I, I have the confidence that he can get it done in the long run as for whether or not he's a hundred percent healthy now and able to get it done this week. It's going to be challenging, especially against Steelers tackles.
0: John, I thought I did jump in real quick. I thought he looked pretty good on, on uh, Monday night. How'd you, what did you think?
2: Yeah, he, he definitely looked healthy. He definitely got after the quarterback a little bit. Um, you know, Tennessee didn't really have any, uh, long dropbacks. they didn't really run into downfield patterns a whole lot in that game it was a lot of short passing game with their tight ends and the uh slant patterns to Corey Davis who had seven catches despite you know everybody having on their fantasy team how many times and never coming through um
0: <laughs> I'm but yeah I
2: mean it, it was it was hard for anybody to, to get after the quarterback the way that they were playing and um I was really proud with how their defense played but it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how Chubb shoulders the load as the primary pass rusher who's getting chipped, who's getting double teamed versus being the guy that uh, has the luxury of a lot of one-on-one. So um, that's going to be interesting to see. And, and it's really going to come down, too, to how the the rest of the team plays, Malik Reed and Ochu, um, to fill in for Von Miller. So they're going to have to do enough to make teams so they can't double and triple team Chubb every time they drop back. One last question before we go to our break. And this is, this could
1: be for uh, either one of you, um, Kevin and John. So my question here is Steven Goskowski missed three field goals for the Tennessee Titans. Now was this game, that's a nine, that's nine points there and the Titans won by three. So was this game actually closer than uh, we think, or did Tennessee have more opportunities and, uh, did they beat Denver a little more than
2: they did on the scoreboard? I mean, I can go first. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could look at it that way. and We caught the break of, of three missed field goals, but um, one of the Tennessee touchdowns came on a 25 yard field when Melvin Gordon had a fumble, which is like, welcome to Denver, Melvin Gordon. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then we also, the Broncos had a first, their first and goal inside the, titans five including three plays from the one and didn't score so from that perspective the broncos get a touchdown on that drive you could be looking at it the other way and saying you know denver probably could have had vastly more points also not to mention that we had two key drops on drives uh by uh our promising i'll say rookie wide receiver jerry judy who ended two drives that uh, would have probably gone across midfield and resulted in points also so um it's tough to say whether the game should have been more of a runaway towards Tennessee. Uh, I tend to look at it that
0: both teams had opportunities that they missed.
1: And that's, uh, that's the perils of not having a preseason. Kevin, your thoughts?
0: I mean, where I thought that the game was pretty even was up front. You know, um, you, Tennessee's a big physical team. You know, we saw them go to the AFC Championship game last year. We saw them go up to Foxborough and uh, just pound the Patriots in the playoffs, you know, physically in the trenches. And I, and I didn't really think that they did that with Denver. I thought that Denver, um, you know, was just as physical as they were, and and um, that that Tennessee did not have a distinct advantage up front. So you know that bodes well for for uh, for Denver, despite the fact that they you know they've kind of remade a lot of their uh, personnel on the fly. So you know it's going to be it won't be a physical mismatch by any stretch on Sunday. Well, very good. Now we are going to take a short break, and we're going to be back
1: right after this on the Steelers pregame talking about the keys to victory for both teams. So stick with us, and we'll talk to you in a moment.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
2: that is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
2: didn't want to do
1: another stomp you out speech. It
0: opened up so many more doors. The show
1: is called The The Deal.
0: Deal.
2: Listen to The Deal. Listen
1: to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside with me, as always, is Kevin Smith from Behind the Silk Curtain. And our guest for the day is John Rice our Broncos insider and super fan for the Denver Broncos. So thank you fellows for being here. Here's the number one question that I have here. What do both teams need to do to win this game? I'm going to start with you, John. What do the Broncos need to do coming into Heinz Field on Sunday to escape with a victory?
2: Well, I mean, with a young quarterback, I know it's cliche for any team to talk about turnover margin, but with a young quarterback, you always have to mention you got you to gotta take care of the football. Can't have any turnovers. Really, it was just the one fumble in the game uh, that they lost on Monday, but it was a huge fumble. You, know, you can't be giving seven points away, especially when uh, you're facing a powerful Steelers offense like they have. A lot of playmakers over there. Um, and then on the same regard, red zone offense, Denver's red zone offense has been terrible. Last, all of last year, they were not good against Tennessee. I mean, they did convert two touchdowns, which was nice. But um, if they're not going to be able to score when they get down deep, they're not going to be able to keep up with the Steelers offense because no matter how well the defense plays, the Steelers are going to get their points in this game. So we can't we can't be selling for three if and when we get down inside the red zone. And then the third thing I had was uh, pass rush. Without the Vaughn Miller in there, can Chubb come through? Can they get after Big Ben because – I think as a Steeler fans, you guys will know that uh, Ben is uh, a lot more shaky back there whenever you're putting a lot of guys in his face, whenever you're getting a lot of guys around his legs and making him move around a little bit. So um, they've got to get pressure on him, and that's especially important this week because we're going to probably be starting two rookie corners on the outside. So can't have those guys in coverage for five, six seconds. Kevin,
1: counterpoint on that. What do the Steelers need to do? To win this game, what are their keys to
0: victory, my friend? Well, I mean, I'm just, I'll just pick up where John left off. I mean, in the protection game, the Steelers on offense definitely need to protect uh, Roethlisberger. I mean, Denver only sacked Tannehill once uh, last week. And like we said, Fangio doesn't like to like to blitz that much. He usually brings four. When he was the D.C. at Chicago, uh, you know, they rushed four guys or less more than any team in the NFL in 2018. Um, but, you know, if you, if you let Ben Roethlisberger sit back in a clean pocket, especially against his zone defense that they like to play, he's going to pick you apart. So they got to figure out how to get pressure on Roethlisberger, which may wind up with them, you know, blitzing more. Uh, if I'm Denver, I'm bringing more heat because the Steelers now, as, as we know, they've lost two offensive linemen for, you know, one for the year and one for at least the next three weeks in Zach Banner and Stefan Wisniewski. So they're going to be starting a rookie guard, most likely, in Kevin Dotson they're going to be starting, you know, Chuck a core for, uh, at, at, tackle who, um, you know, has only made a handful of starts in his NFL career. You know, Matt Filer has already been kicked to the other guard. I mean, they're they're an offensive line in flux. So how will the Steelers handle whatever Denver throws at them, uh, to try to create pressure on Roethlisberger? Are they going to keep a tight end in more in the passing game? Are they going to keep a back end? How's that going to affect, uh, the pattern progression, if you're only able to run four receivers as opposed to five against a zone, is that going to make it t- uh, tougher for the Steelers to throw the ball? So, so that's a big deal. And then when you flip it around, it's the same story, man. I mean, if I'm the Steelers, I'm getting after Locke. You know, I, they did a great job uh, disguising coverages and uh, pressuring uh, Daniel Jones from a bunch of different angles. And I do the same thing with Locke. You got to keep Locke in the pocket. Don't let him get outside. He's an athletic guy with a big arm. And, um, and he can make some things happen when he's got some space to run around. So they got to be able to bring pressure from a variety of places, uh, pin him in the pocket, and make him you know, sit in there and make big boy NFL throws.
2: I can uh, honestly say that this week uh, in my uh, mega contest picks, I picked the Steelers to cover against the Broncos this week. So uh, as far as score goes, let's go 24-14 Pittsburgh. I think that the Broncos are going to struggle to score I don't think they're going to move the ball up and down the field very efficiently against the Steelers' defense. Um, I'm very hopeful that we can get some big plays out of our wide receivers and change that result, but I'm very scared about the uh, coverage against Big Ben and his wide receivers. So I'd be lying if I said I thought we were a favorite, and um, I think the Steelers are going to have a pretty comfortable
0: time this week, to be honest with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna counter John simply by saying I never feel comfortable with it, you know as a Steelers fan despite the fact that I know you know that the Steelers are uh, on paper the better team this week uh, you know maybe maybe Brian and I you know and fellow Steeler fans are too scarred by uh, the you know the playing down to uh, a so-called lesser opponent stigma that has you know been around the Steelers for a while so of course I get nervous about games like this and then you know Brian talked about the history. The Steelers always seem to struggle with Denver. Uh, Denver always seems to play, you know, uh, to play well against Pittsburgh. Um, So, you know, I mean, I do, I am confident the Steelers will win. I do think they're the better team. And, you know, again, usually over a 60 minute game, uh, if the better team's playing well, uh, then they'll prevail. And the Steelers did play well last week. And, um, and I suspect they're going to play well again, but I don't think it'll be, uh, I don't think, it'll be a cakewalk by any stretch in the uh, BTSC writers pool. I picked a 24, 17 Steelers um, and I can see it somewhere in that neighborhood.
1: I think the Steelers are going to win. I think they're going to put up some points, but I'm looking more of like 24 to 19. And I had a different score earlier, but then I predicted on the preview that Ben could possibly have three touchdown passes. So I had to change it and up it a little bit. So we'll go 24, 19 in favor of the Steelers, but it is not going to be easy. And if the Broncos walk away with a win, I am not going to be completely shocked. This seems to me like it's it could be a trap game for the Steelers, but I don't think that they are in the mindset, especially Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin now, to uh, let teams off easy as far as uh, um, looking down to uh, any opponent, despite their record despite their fortune last year. So I don't really think that they're going to, I don't really think the uh, Broncos are a lesser opponent, but record wise last year, they are, they can be very dangerous, but I'm still going with the Steelers. So with that being said, fellas, um, it's unanimous that we're looking at the Steelers to win this game. Um, I'm really, our scores on the Steelers end are, are pretty close. Um, actually our, our scores altogether are fairly close. Um, I'm probably uh, the one with the closest uh, margin of victory for the Steelers, but I'm, uh, I'm hoping it's, it's an uh, injury-free contest and uh, a very good ball game. So uh, best wishes to both teams. Uh, John, I hope you have a, a great time watching the Steelers and the Broncos this weekend. I'm hoping that I could needle you finally about a Steelers victory because I don't get a chance to do that very often.
2: Yeah, good luck. Um, you know, I'm just hoping that we can put to use those two extra timeouts. Vic packed, that packed away in his fanny pack for this week. At the end of the game last week, so hopefully we can put those to our advantage. We get those extra two timeouts, and uh, man, that's the that's the other thing. If it is a close game, how can I feel confident as a Broncos fan, seeing how we bungled the time management at the end of every game in the past two years, it seems. So I hope I hope we're all wrong. I hope the Broncos can find a way to put up some points and get some turnovers, but Man, it's a shaky thing. Well, John, uh,
0: John hang around uh, behind the steel curtain for a little bit uh, if you want to talk about time management because <laughs> the, the Steeler fans are convinced that Mike Tomlin is the worst time manager of all time. You know? <laughs> so, well, Vic, Vic
2: had to hire his own time management consultant, and that was the problem in week one. Apparently, they had to let him go due to some, some sort of complications. So he didn't have his time management consultant in his ear. And uh, it cost us dearly. We would have had a chance to come back and score at the end, but Vic had to let his time management consultant go, so we're we're missing him dearly. Hopefully they were able to bring him back this week. I didn't read anything about that. Did he really have a
0: time management consultant?
2: He absolutely did. Towards the second half of last year, they brought him in a time
0: management consultant who was talking in his headphones at the end of games. Oh, my God. That's one of the actual, like, primary responsibilities of a head coach to manage the time. (laughs) So...
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's no secret they brought him in to be at D.C., and the only way they could bring him in from Chicago was to give him a head coaching job. So I don't look at him as much of a head coach. I look at him as a D.C., and, uh, you know, sometimes that really kills you at the end of games when you have a defensive coordinator being your head coach.
0: Yeah, Interesting.
1: Well, gentlemen, this was a fantastic uh, threesome this week. I really appreciate all of your time. Um, it is going to be a really good ball game. So uh, check out all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs on behindthesteelcurtain.com. And uh, as far as SB Nation goes, there's, uh, there's plenty of uh, news all the way around. But as far as breaking news, injury reports, and on our podcast platform, we're having shows all the way up to game time. So check them out here. It is not just your one-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers. It's your non-stop shop for all your Pittsburgh Steelers news and needs. So thank you, John. We really appreciate your time. And I want to say one more thing, Kevin. I want to mention this about John. This is how much of a – Pittsburgh, excuse me. How much of a Denver Broncos fan that John is? John, could you share with us the name of your
2: the names of your two daughters? Sure. Yeah, my first daughter was named Bailey after Champ Bailey, and my second daughter is named Peyton after Peyton Manning. So, yeah, we got the, thought, we got the two, two Broncos girls running around the house.
0: I thought you were going to say your second daughter was named Elway, and I was going to say that's just wrong, man. That's
2: wrong. <laughs> yeah. I tried to push for always the middle name, but I couldn't get, I couldn't get the wife over the hump. <laughs>
0: hey, you
1: got that much. I was only allowed to name the dogs Palomalu and Hines uh, years ago. So uh, that's the only, only thing I was going to do. I tried to convince my uh, sister and my wife, to, uh, my sister, to name my nephew, Arthur J., um, and I wanted to name Connor, my son, Arthur J., but I wasn't allowed to. But uh, Connor came along before James Connor, so it was just nice when he came in, but doesn't spell it the right way on, on the back of the jersey. It's spelled differently, but I thought that would have been great. But thanks, fellas, so much. Uh, John, as always, it's great to have you. Uh, Kevin, we appreciate it, and we'll be here next week talking about another Pittsburgh Steelers victory, we hope. And if not... We'll look ahead to the Houston Texans, so check us out right here. But for Kevin Smith and John Rice, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great game day, my friends. We'll see you soon.